experience. Don't miss part one of our discussion with Robin Trent in episode eight of The Experience. Now on to part two. So Trent, you know, thinking about some of the things that you did to really motivate and, you know, engage the salespeople when, you know, like sometimes, like you said, Robert's like, man, we're, we're, we're putting in the work, coach. We're putting in the work and, you know, the, the ball's just not going in the hoop. Like we're just not getting it in the end zone, whatever the sport is. How is there anything, Trent, that comes to mind where like, yeah, this works, you know, this is where, you know, the team, you know, melded together and, and, and we found this to be successful and this to be motivating. Are there any things that stick out to you? Yeah, I think number one, it was always starting with the interview process. Uh, the right person always does the right thing uh, or most of the time uh, does the right thing and they make your job so much easier. I think sometimes we look at so much of the managers or the executive leadership is supposed to motivate the leadership, but in turn, we actually need those managers to motivate us at times because I think it goes back and forth. So I think starting, just finding the right person is always number one. Uh, number two, we we believe that our process was still the foundation of our success. So we tweaked some of our our steps inside of a guest coming in the club, including you know digital guest register, but ensuring that we're still focused there because like Robert said, I think sales uh, in health clubs has morphed. And in my 20 years, I've seen it go in a full circle and then backwards again. And I think it's so imperative for, you know, uh, uh, in a, in my mind, a high end location like us to lean into our sales force in the sense of onboarding, training, developing, um, number three, I think, I think is really, we, Robert and I really talked about, uh, creating incentives that, uh, keep people moving. And when you have uh, a sales goal and you're, you're hitting 80% of that sales goal, like Robert said, we were pretty aggressive during that time. How do you keep someone motivated in the pocket? Well, we, we created a budget, uh, that is now stuck and it will be there, you know, ongoing. And it's an incentives budget that, that is not connected to commission or bonus. And it's an incentives that are connected to contests whether it's a closeout or a weekly contest, I think we underestimate how important those are for our sales teams and our sales management teams. And then lastly, I think the weekly, we call them driver reviews, what's driving our business. Always going back to the fundamentals of coaching uh, and coaching in private and recognizing in public. I think I'm not sharing anything revolutionary, but I think we forget the fundamentals of coaching sometimes and understanding that when you're in a room with someone and you're giving them direct feedback, um, you know, it, it does help move them forward long term. And so I think those are a few of the, the pieces that really helped move us forward uh, after we we're to, to open back up. You know, in, incentives work. I mean, they're in, but one of the things to keep in mind is that you usually get what you ask for when you set up your incentive programs. And you have to be really careful when you're crafting those to make sure that they're going to incent people to do the things that are going to benefit you the way you think they are. And we have tinkered with that over time. 
uh, to make sure that the incentive is aligned with what our ultimate goals are. It was it's so funny. I read an article in the, well, I started reading an article in the paper yesterday, but I just, I was laughing so hard I couldn't finish anymore. The heading was, uh, study finds incentives might cause people to cheat at work. <laughs> I, I'm sure hoping they didn't spend a lot of money on that. You know, um, I, although I'm sure the government was involved. Um, but it, it's, you know, it's really true. And that's something that, you know, over time we have moved, you know, moved our incentive programs around to get the types of behavior uh, and, you know, the, the focus where we really needed to be. And, you know, during the pandemic, that was one of the really tough things about staying um, focused on driving sales. I mean, we, we had a situation where we both had to um, set goals and hope, you know, and, and not, not necessarily, hope's not a good strategy. We had to drive the behaviors that would help us to meet those goals. But the reality was we were falling short for many months mm -hmm. and we also needed to make sure that we didn't lose those people because they were their income wasn't enough or we got in the habit of losing. And that's, you know, I, I've seen this sort of behavior on teams before where, you know, you get used to losing and then it becomes okay. And so there was a lot of uh, things going on there. We sometimes violated our normal time policies of not, uh, you know, or, or not giving people a break on their incentives. We had to find innovative ways to come up with reasons why they got some other bonus uh, that they didn't know was coming, um, just simply to keep them focused on making sales and, and going through the process we expected, but at the same time, realizing that they needed to be compensated. Um, so th there was a lot going on there. And uh, fortunately, we've, we've come out of that time frame, and you know, we're, uh, we're expecting to win now. And that's, um, I think the reason we have been able to get back there is in part due to never deviating from that expectation. Yeah, Robert, that, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I think on you know, one of the podcasts that we had had, Nick, you spent a pretty good amount of time talking about how much time you have to invest in the overall systematic approach, the systematic strategy. And Robert, it sounds to me like you guys invested a, a lot of time in that. So Nick, um, I don't know, I'd love to hear your thoughts or comments on, on what they, you know, how much time they invested in those well, strategies. No, Robert and Trent, I want to just commend you. Like I've been leading sales for 20 plus years. And the key thing, Robert, you said it, the incentive is going to motivate a behavior. Like it, it's going to, is that behavior in alignment with the goals of your business? First of all, number two is in alignment with the team member that you're trying to motivate. If those things get out of whack for either party, it doesn't work. And to hear you guys say that you found that alignment, it kept them motivated both for the company and the team member is brilliance. And it's hard to do. And I would say also one thing that, that I've learned throughout my career, and it sounds like you guys are on it, it changes. What was good today may not be good tomorrow. And you, and you gotta be willing to take a hard look at what now are you facing versus then realign some things, tweak it and keep going forward. And um, I'll tell you the better organizations do that in such a good way. And um, I, it's just so encouraging to hear that from others. 
I'm sure Trent, Robert, maybe you'll get some phone calls from some other teams out there in the country trying to do similar things, but it's gaining those incentives and alignment is so critical. And then the other pieces, uh, I've referenced this multiple times, but I'll quote Jeff and Dixhorn, he's probably stolen it from somebody else. Um, but I'll tell you, people are key. Um, it is a whole lot harder to motivate somebody than to maybe have to manage them. And so, you know, hiring the right people like athletes that are driven, maybe you have to point them and rearrange their direction a little bit because they're so ambitious, they may run off the tracks, get them pointed in the right direction, but it's a whole lot harder to have to motivate them to wake up every day and do the work. And uh, if you find the right people, you win. You well, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to embarrass Trent here, but I do very little. The reality is, is that almost all of this comes from Trent and you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we're, a, I, I, oftentimes it's difficult to compare to other organizations, so I can't say how effectively other organizations do this or not, but we are very data, we like to think that we're very data driven and we are measuring every day. And if I had to say there was one thing that drives performance and has the most effect on our bottom line, and Trent's gonna know what I'm gonna say next, is the daily sales report. Every morning that, you know, and a lot of companies do this, you know, we get a daily sales report that tells us, you know, various metrics of sales performance at every location that we have. And, you know, we know every day whether we're on track to meet our goals for the month or whether we're not on track to meet those goals. And I think it's that, having that kind of compass um, and that, sense of urgency that's driven from that on a club by club level um, that really makes the whole thing work out. And, um, you know, the other thing that we did have done over the years is be really strong on keeping uh, information available so that we can go back and see how we're doing historically relative to uh, our performance or the direction that we're hoping to go. And, you know, I, I don't know how many uh, folks were able to do this, but, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there, there were a lot of constituencies out there. There were, um, you know, different segments of our business and we really, really started drilling into that, how it had been and finding a base case and then looking at our business not only in, in terms of what people were coming back, what new sales were coming back, like for example, uh, young men were the quickest to come back. Uh, in fact, we're still lagging significantly. That's one of the most major uh, changes we've seen uh, in our demographics is the number of women that are using the facility. We used to be slightly skewed towards female use uh, and now we're at 40, 60, uh, which is, you know, it's good that we have such strong male participation, but we also think it's potentially detrimental to getting, you know, other segments of our membership back, some of our older uh, clients and, and maybe some of our female clients. And so uh, we are actively looking at each one of those sex and saying, what, what do we need to do to bring those people back, to get them back stronger? Uh, how do we have to modify the facilities, uh, set our membership policies, or just simply, you know, attack those from a, a marketing standpoint 
and a sales tactics uh, perspective. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to think about right now. And I, I, I think very few clubs in the upper segments were uh, the other price points because our average price point is over $120 a month. Um, I think clubs in our segment have had a harder time getting people back yeah. in part. Um, and, and there was really good information about this in the latest uh, URSA uh, consumer uh, report that just came out. But it was very interesting to see that the wealthier clients who had been a fairly strong uh, constituent for membership in our uh, in the type of clubs we have has been slower to come back. And I worry that that's a function of substitutes. You know, these are people that could afford, you know, good home fitness equipment, maybe had the space to put it in and are having a hard time, you know, kind of diverging from that. Uh, so there's just a lot to look at, um, especially I, I think getting it was interesting to me to see that URSA statistics are varying a little bit from what ours did in terms of female participation. Um, although in talking to most of the club owners that I know, uh, that's still a, that, that segment of the market has grown more slowly uh, than their, the young male. In fact, we have more young males in the club now than we did before the pandemic. Uh, we certainly can't say that for female participation. Yeah. Well, to, to close this out, and one one quick uh, maybe phrase from each of you when we when we share the word experience, you know, what does that mean to you when you think about your members in your club? Well, I'll start. Uh, for me, I think the experience. Uh, I, once again, I think the experience starts with the employees, um, making sure that they're uh, engaged, that they're excited. Uh, that they're aligned, uh, that, that always, uh, I, I think transitions or connects right into the member base. Um, you know, I, I had a, I had leadership early on as a personal trainer at 24 hour fitness that said attitude was everything. And the reality is, is sometimes it gets rough and it's been rough. Um, but that optimistic behavior, uh, from leadership down is so important to, to really just connect with the member base. So I think for me, the, the existing member base is, is really the experience is connected to really how the team members feel and how we feel about our organization and our clubs. I think it starts there. Yeah. Could not agree more, Trent. I, I think that fitness is hard. And, and sticking with a fitness program is harder. And, you know, I talked earlier about substitutes. People, we, we tend to think that, you know, each product stands alone, but it's really, when I, when I engage in one activity, it's at the expense of another, whether it's my family, whether it's my TV time, whether it's my time at the bar with my buddies or whatever it might be. And so we have to become competitive as a option for people. And one way that we can do that effectively is to become more seamless in how uh, we provide our experience. And whether, and, and you know, that's something that we're working on that it's really helped with, with the VFP product, um, you know, in terms of how we're signing people up. Uh, but we're trying to make that easier and more seamless, uh, how they check into the club, how convenient it is uh, for for people to to use our product because 
it does not take much of a hurdle to stop people uh, from exercising. You know, I mean, if, if you're going to try and keep me from my vacation, that hurdle better be real high, you know, because I'm, I'm getting a pole and I'm vaulting over that sucker. But if, yeah. if, if it's about substituting for something that I may not enjoy as much, and I think a lot, unfortunately, that's the case for a lot of people in exercise, um, it, it doesn't take but a curve to stop people from, from going, you know, and, and heading for the barn instead. And so I think we have to find a way to make fitness convenient and seamless and as emotionally uh, painless as possible. Hmm. Oh, that's great. Thank you both for sharing this time. Um, this was really useful. I hope you uh, sometimes talking through things that you've done well. Uh, I know I like to reflect back and talk about it. it gives us energy, right, as leaders, and I hope others are inspired by what you guys shared today. So thank you very much. Have a great afternoon. It's our pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have Bye. an awesome one. Take care. Bye. for joining us for the experience check back next time for another episode on how to take your club to the next level for more content and to stay up to date with the experience follow club automation vfb next and motion soft on linkedin facebook and instagram we'll see you next time